0: on local now channel 525. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: First John 1, 3 through 4 says this: that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that there's a so that clause in English and in Greek, same thing. It's a purpose clause that you too may have fellowship, koinonia, partnership, connection relation with us. And indeed, our relation, our connection, our partnership is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. I can see
0: the promised land. Though there's pain within the plan, there is victory in
1: the end. Your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life.
0: Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the broadcast. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, Pastor Keith continues with our series in the book of 1 John, a series entitled, That You May Know. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of 1 John, chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is who we heard our message from. This is what we have seen with our own eyes, have touched, have handled, it says in some translations. This is what we proclaim this is what we proclaim to you. And you know, it's a pity the way that we treat the word fellowship today. You know, I almost wish they didn't use it here because we think of fellowship as something social. A better word would be partnership. Koinonia doesn't mean we hang together at potlucks, it's got nothing to do with that. And you know, 80s and 90s, Christianity really got into that whole thing. It was an era of not a great deal of discernment, unfortunately. But he wants you to have connection with him and his gospel ministry, partnership. And his partnership is with God in Christ. And so your joy is complete, is made full, is completed. Their joy is made completed through your salvation, through your transformation, and your ministry in the gospel. That's what's going on here. There's nothing secret Nothing hidden there. John, John is writing in this first epistle, First John, because he's got something to say to you, to me, to the church. And he is driving his point home. You know, the other thing about First John is this. Like the Gospel of John, the thesis statement comes near the end. And the thesis statement for First John is found in 1 John, 1, 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. Many of the Christian-sounding world religions, the dominant one, always tells you you can never be sure of your salvation. You've got to keep on doing these sacraments. You've got to keep on doing this. You've got to keep on doing that. All the other cults do the same thing too. You can never be sure. It's faith plus works. That's not what John is saying here. John is saying, you're saved by faith. The faith will produce works, but the works don't save you. And so what we have here in the opening four verses, they sort of set the table for the discussion that's going to follow, the tests of life that we do well to take and consider just to make sure to check ourselves, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, to make certain that we're in the faith to diagnose the spiritual condition of ourselves and others as well, and to be reassured. You know, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I'm just not sure of my salvation. Assurance of salvation has nothing to do with how you feel. It has to do with the faithfulness and promises of God. These tests of life may help you confirm things. So over the next 14 to 15 weeks, let's let John be our teacher Let's let John be our diagnostician, and let's dive into the study, because John has a lot to say to us about ourselves, our faith, our lives, our ministry, our joy, our peace. So how can you get the most out of this series in the the months ahead? What I'd like to do today is to give you at least three things that you can do to get the most out of this series. The first thing that you can do, starting with is this, is to know who's telling you all this, to wrap your mind around who the author of this epistle is and what he's seen and where he's been and what he knows for sure. This is not some armchair philosopher. You know, there are some people who have never read a book that they didn't like to the point that... They've got no discernment, and they'll just incorporate all kind of gobbledygook into their faith. Their faith looks like an ugly, incompetent quilt. So know who's telling you all this in this epistle. And, so, and, and who's telling you this? What, what do we know about them? Even if we didn't know it was John, how, how does this point toward John? How does this point toward apostolic authorship? Look at 1 John 1, 1 and verse 3. What we see here is somebody who is an eyewitness to the ministry of Christ. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. What is going on here? This is a contemporary of Christ. This is somebody, you know, today you drive around, you see these churches, apostolic this, apostolic that, and the pastor calls himself Apostle in the book of Acts, it makes it very clear. An apostle is someone who came and went with Jesus, who saw him come and go, who saw him crucified, who saw him resurrected. And that word can mean other things too, but we want to be careful with this. This isn't some dilettante. This isn't some would-be philosopher. This isn't an this apostle writing. This is a witness, a contemporary of Jesus Christ. He's not some speculator getting into speculative theology and getting in over his head. This isn't guesswork. John is dealing in realities as an eyewitness, as an apostle to what he saw, to what he heard, to what he touched and felt. He saw Jesus crucified and he handled the resurrected Christ. And so the apostle John sort of lays out his credentials here in this prologue, foreshadowing all he's going to discuss, as well as his credentials. Know therefore who's talking to you, an eyewitness. You see the same thing in the Gospel of John when he talks about this and where things were geographically. John is an eyewitness. And this prologue, this prologue makes it very clear. And it's kind of interesting because speaking of prologues, you know, we see these words, the word of life, you know, in the beginning and everything else. Doesn't it harken back to the Gospel of John? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Or John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life, there's that word in the the prologue of 1 John, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, that which we have seen and heard, Glory is the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth, which brings us right here to this prologue. That which was from the beginning, with, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our own hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest it's like a light shining in the darkness. And we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Both of these documents are written by the same writer. He's an eyewitness. He was, talks about the in the beginning God, the in the beginning Savior, the word of life, the light that shined in the darkness. You're going to see later on, he's going to talk about God is light in him, there is no darkness at all. Both prologues introduce the same person, the same Savior, God incarnate, Jesus Christ and like I said earlier both uh, both of the books uh, give their thesis statements at the end You know, John 20, 31 but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name and 1 John 5, 13 I write these things to you who believe this is written to the believer in the name of the Son of God those who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So, this is an eyewitness. This is John the Apostle. This isn't, I remember reading some liberal-esque commentary saying, well, this wasn't John, this was a pious forger. I'm like, a pious forger? What is that like, a life-giving murderer? I mean, you think of the way people think today. No absolute truth, a pious forger. You know, this is John, and John has something to say to you. So know who is telling you all this, because you're going to want to respond to the teaching of one of the apostles accordingly. Now, who wrote the Gospel of John, and who wrote 1 John, and who wrote the book of Revelation? Well, the first answer is John. And the second answer is what? The Holy Spirit. This is the word of God. So understand who's talking to you here and why you need to Listen. Secondly, understand his message. Understand what John is proclaiming. If you want to get the most out of this study in the weeks to come as we dig down deep into the text, understand the message. You see this in 1 John 1 at the end, I call it 1C, to verse 2 concerning the word of life the life that was made manifest and we have seen it and testify it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and was made manifest to us the life made manifest and we beheld his glory this is the christ the word the eternal word the author and finisher of your this the message here is the gospel message except no substitutes the word in John 1.14 who became flesh and dwelt among us. It's his message. The only son from the father full of grace and truth. John 1.18 says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known. Understand the message here. This is the message of Jesus Christ that John is going to be reviewing in 1 John. That which he saw that which he heard, that which he handled. 1 John 1 2. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it. The life, not a life, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Christ's salvation. Jesus was made visible. To the world and to John. The Word who was with God was revealed and revealed God to the Word in a matchless, uncommon way, and they would proclaim His message. They would testify to it and proclaim it to you, and He's proclaiming it now down through the pages of history, through the pages of these inspired and preserved Scriptures the way, the truth, the life by whom and through whom we come to the Father. Understand his message. John wants you to know that God is knowable and findable, accessible. John wants to assure you, maybe in your moment of doubt sometime, that your salvation is real, your eternity is sure, your eternity is secure. This is the message of salvation. This is the message of assurance. You are not, you are never as a believer without hope. And I don't mean hope like I hope it doesn't get really hot tomorrow or it doesn't rain tomorrow. It's a hope that is a certainty. Understand the message, therefore, and its significance as we work our way through this book, through this epistle. Then what? Then what? Well, as you listen, realize his motive. What's, he, what's in it for John? What's his goal here? What's he shooting for? First John 1 3-4 through four says this that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that there's a so that clause in English and in Greek same thing it's a purpose clause that you too may have fellowship koinonia, partnership connection, relation with us and indeed our relation, our connection our partnership is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things to you so that our, your joy may be complete. He's doing this for the glory of God and for the good of others. He wants you to believe their gospel, to understand their gospel, to embrace their gospel so that you can have connection, familial relationship with them. And through that message, have the same thing with the Father so that your joy may be complete. There's nothing worse than wasting a life. You know, you look at the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts when he realizes he's been persecuting the church and Jesus says, Paul, Paul, why, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you kick against the goats? And he, when he realized, who, who, who is it, Lord? It's me, Jesus Christ, whom you persecute. And Paul went into a, I think the theological term is blue funk. And he didn't eat or drink. That was grace. God reached out and saved him. Jesus reached out and saved him. But there are people who are going to go through this life who go from one philosophy to the other. And they're going to wake up dead one day and isolated from the grace of God for all eternity as they experience firsthand the unrestrained, full-throated wrath of God poured out on them without hope in hell. You don't want to do that. So what John has seen and what John has heard and what he has handled, he, and you keep seeing this we, what's this we go? It's just a way, you know, how many times have you said, well, we want to do this, we want to do this? It's just a plural form. It's kind of a, an expression. But John and the rest of his compadres, the apostles, the apostles, want you to have connection to God. And so they want to proclaim to you the message of salvation, the message of the gospel, the message of Christ. Why? Because it's what they exist to do. They are apostles, special messengers. Yeah, cr- Christianity isn't something that you do. it's what A Christian is what you are and we live to serve Christ and they want to see other people come to Christ and know the joy and the peace and the hope that they have they want you to have it would make your joyful it would make their joyful however you want to interpret that word there towards the end John wants you to know what is best for you what you have as a believer Or what you can have if you turn out not to be a believer. Fellowship with Christ. John wants you to have what John has. That you may know that you have eternal life. That you find connection, partnership with others in community through the church. As a member of the church. When I say a member of the church, I don't mean somebody who's gone through membership class. When you're born again, you're a member of the invisible church worldwide. Every one of us in here who are born again, we're from different places. We maybe have a different mother tongue, different backgrounds, but we're all related by blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our connection. That's our partnership. And we have been given a commission, and that is to point others toward him so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Their joy comes through your salvation. Your joy comes through your salvation. And so that's his goal. I write these things that... To you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Regardless of what these people who left the church, these Gnostics, said, regardless of what the false teachers say, that you can never be sure, you can know. And so I write these things to affirm and confirm your salvation. What is written here is written for your good. This is what will bring you complete joy experiencing the fellowship and connection with Christ. So, just to review, know who is telling you these things, an apostle, an eyewitness. Understand the message. This is the message. This is basic Christianity. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the message of salvation. Realize his motive. He's not trying to get you to join his lodge. He's trying to point you to eternal life the only thing that can satisfy your soul you see today maybe today maybe your faith is kind of a train wreck maybe i don't know where you've come from i don't know what what your teaching has been prior here to here but maybe you're in a period of self-doubt and i'm hoping that this gospel for you this this epistle this gospel epistle will help you to understand where you stand in terms of eternity much more clearly so that you would have indeed that peace that surpasses human understanding. And so as we go through this epistle, it's going to raise a number of pointed questions that leave no room for doubt. And the question is, I guess by way of application, is are you willing to listen and embrace and consider these questions and the answers they may produce in your own heart? Are you willing to learn to grow or receive in your faith? Are you w- willing to grow in your faith or receive salvation for the first time and rejoice in whichever it is? You, I remember a man in my church years ago, he used to come and sit in my office and we, sp- we had on, on, ongoing conversations once a week for five years. And at year four, I said, you know, you're not a believer, don't you? I've been a Christian for 20 years. I said, well, you've, you may know about God, but you don't know God. How arrogant is that? I said, I just know by the way you live your life. And eventually he came to the conclusion, he embraced Christ and his life was transformed. Are you willing to accept the diagnosis of scripture? This is what you've got to ask yourself. I want you to consider these tests of life in your own life and take a sober look at your life and the lives of others, whose salvation you may have taken for granted. To see if you or them are in the faith, and if you are, to rejoice in that, and to excel still more, because First John is a call to the fundamental truths of the Christian faith. It is the basics of Christianity, and these tests here are going to tell you where you stand and maybe where you need to grow. So be in prayer for this series. Please read First John. You can read it in under forty-five minutes. To start reading it over and over, as we prepare to get into the test of life next week. In the meantime, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this introduction to the Epistle of John, this first epistle. Lord, uh, these tests of life, Lord, are there for our good, Lord, for our peace, for our assurance. They're also there to challenge our thinking as we work out our salvation in this life with fear and trembling, knowing that it is you working in us to willing to work your good favor. Father, help us to be good students, humble students, obedient students, willing to go wherever you will take us. Father, we just thank you that we could get this introduction out of the way. It's It's not an unpleasant chore. It's a wonderful start, Lord to a season of transformation in my life and I'm sure in the life of others. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live.